Okay, everyone, welcome to Fibo DeFi, your number one source for everything Frax DeFi and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave. I'm here with Capital K, and we're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And if you ever wanted to hedge the flywheel, if you ever wanted to go more degen on the flywheel, now this is the pod for you. We have Guillaume Lambert, the founder of Panoptic, which is a Oracle-free perpetual options protocol that is eminently being released. They're having their gated launch soon, so we wanted to have them on. Uh, Kit, this was really your type of interview. So what are your initial yeah. thoughts on this one? Uh, well, first, before I even head into there, a, a quick pro tip for all the listeners is when you think about options, there are calls and there are puts. And I want you to think of call as a plus sign and a put as a negative sign and the word long as a plus sign and the word short as a negative sign. So when somebody shorting a put, that means it's a negative sign multiplied by a negative sign, which gives you a negative, meaning you want the price to go down. And the reverse is true when, you know, I'm sorry, a plus sign, which means they want the price to go up. And the reverse is true is when you buy a call, which is a plus or long a call, a plus sign multiplied by a plus sign gives you a plus sign, means you also want the price to go up. So keep that in mind throughout this uh, podcast, because we're going to be saying long put, short put, long call, a lot of those things. So keep that in mind. But I, I think you're going to guys going to learn a lot. Take out a pen and a pad and, and you're just gonna say that. listen. This is one of those. This is one of those, you know? Yeah, really. Uh, I also want to give full disclosure on this one. I was an angel investor in the earlier rounds of Panoptic. So just heads up there. Um, Just want to get that disclosure. Um, But yeah, I'm really excited for this one. I've known uh, Guillaume for a while. You know, super smart, super sharp guy. And I really love the progress they've made uh, over the past year. And I think they have a really cool product and something that will usher in the era of DeFi 3.0, as he said, but we'll save the rest for the interview. But if you want to, you know, keep up with everything Flywheel, all the latest alpha, all the latest updates, all the latest Frax updates, especially Frax V3, eminently coming out maybe in a month or two. Whoa, 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 sorry. You got to hit that bell button, subscribe. Uh, <laughs> you got to hit that bell button, subscribe to get all the latest updates. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, hit that bell button. Give us a like. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our new website, flywheeldefi.com. Yes, brand new website, looking fresh, so fresh and so clean. Subscribe right now. You don't want to miss a single update, I'm telling you, for your own good. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at flywheeldefi. Make sure you join the discussion on Telegram, at flywheeldefi. You can follow me on Twitter, at defiday22. You can follow me at 0 capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning. Do you hold ETH but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. Welcome back to Flywheel, everyone. I'm your host, Tfi Dave, here with Capital K. And this week, we have... We are continuing our series looking at the future of derivatives and options on chain. You know, first we had GammaSwap on a while ago, then we had Infinity Pools on most recently, and now we have on Panoptic, and we're bringing on Guillaume Lambert, 
Uh, did I say, it's so funny. I said Guillaume, which is the French, like the French way to say it, and then I said Lambert, which is like in my English. That's, no, that's close enough. The, the, you nailed you nailed the first name, so yeah. congrats on this. And then I, it's Guillaume. I go by Lambert or Lambert, which is fine. Guillaume Lambert, yes, the founder of Panoptic, which is an Oracle-free um, perpetual options pro- protocol. And I think what makes me most excited about this is that it's Oracle-free. And I remember I was watching Dan Elitzer from uh, NASA, and he had a bankless interview. Uh, and it was all about like the future of DeFi, how it can be Oracle-less or bring in your own Oracle. And he just kept on mentioning Panoptic in that one. Panoptic, Panoptic, Panoptic. So, Guillaume, it's great to have you on. Uh, how are you doing today? Yeah, very good. Very good. Glad- thanks for the invitation. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, let's get a little bit started on your background. Um, you know, I was watching past interviews, and you actually grew up on a farm. You got a PhD in physics, uh, and were, was a professor in physics at Cornell. And uh, during, uh, you know, you've been an OG DeFi user, even pre-DeFi summer, using Uniswap V1, using you know all the OG protocols. So, you know, what do you think primary drives you in crypto? Is it curiosity, or is it something else? Yeah, of course. So again, thanks. You did your research. So yes, <laughs> grew up on a farm. And as far as my parents are concerned, I got my, again, undergrad degree. I'm, I made it. So so anything on top is like, okay, yes. Okay, more school, more this, more that. So, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. That's why I, I'm, I'm at this point where, um, again, uh, my parents are extremely proud. And then they don't get what I do, but it's fine. Do they but, still yeah. have the farm? Yeah, of course. My, my I, I'm the fourth boy of a four boys family and the oldest wow. of course inherited uh, did you and have to work we, on the farm of course you, we used to be working as in this time of the year oh, especially yeah. like uh, most of the summer we'll be working wow. there used to be like six of us with employees doing the work of what my brother can do now with like automation and and, and what did you grow on the farm or what animals were on the farm also it was dairy dairy, oh, dairy, so, so, a dairy farm. Yeah, oh wow exactly uh, so drinking milk uh lots of protein a little bit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is so wholesome. It's like you you went from off chain farming now on chain farming, yeah, but still delivering <laughs> the yeah, yield to edge. the good I know, people. I know, I know yes, yeah. I know where to start. But yeah, I mean, whether growing up on a farm, undergrad, graduate school, it's just I was interested in in in, in science and in advancements, anything that was cool to me. I decided to kind of embrace. So again, I was a big user of DeFi, but then more generally, any anything in my own research, any technology, a Bitcoin, I read the white paper, wasn't that uh, enticed, I guess, by it, but Ethereum kind of changed a lot. So again, light bulb moment, you kind of understand, oh, it's more than just money. It's like anything you want it to be. So it's the world computer. On. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I was, uh, I missed the, um, the, 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 the pre-sale, I guess, the ICO of Ethereum, of course. But overall, no. since 2016, I've been involved. Again, OG protocol is just, it was a, an expensive hobby, I guess. I got liquidated in my micro vaults. I, I, I lost money LPing in Uni V1. But overall, just, just kind Paying of- Paying your dues, small of course. Exactly. We, we, we've and all been there scale, Nothing that. that I can like, right. come home and, and be sad about. And yeah, and again, the, the, the reason why crypto, and again, I was an assistant professor. I moved away from this position to focus full-time on uh, building Panoptic. It's a- brand new frontier i kind of see the same excitement at least in my company that i seen in kind of my uh, during my phd discovery making like finding new stuff there's always something new in crypto of course and yeah and this is kind of a what's been capturing my attention and then i'll probably keep doing this for a few more years for sure yeah absolutely and now you know setting the stage in context for panoptic and 
you know, oracles in general, like options, I mean, options in general, um, options have historically been used as a hedge. But recently in the era of Wall Street bets, it's been re really been used to go more degen. Um, what is your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, options are kind of amazing, actually. You can do a lot. You can be uh, playing a high stakes casino, bet small, win big type of play, or you can be mm -hmm. risk management, more boring, hedging, reducing, uh, reducing risk. It's actually a pretty cool instrument. You can do anything you want. So, of course, um, uh, I would say that DGEN and, and options buying is, is cool. You can hit big, but then in the long term, it might be more difficult to be sustainable. There's a lot of leverage. There's a lot of losses. You can actually lose like all of what you put in very quickly. So that's why you have to be careful. And more of the kind of maybe older crowd, more established. I use this for risk management. And, and it's not just, not just saying, oh, if the price goes down, I make money. But rather, can I adjust my position? Can I have a... Um, a set of strategies that are directional. Can, do we think I go, it's going up, down, or neutral? Sometimes neutral is kind of the, the most <laughs> likely occurrence, especially uh, in this kind of bearish or kind of sideways market. There's always a strategy for you. So I'm glad that a lot of folks got exposed to options through GameStop and meme stocks. Uh, that, that made Robinhood, of course, very happy. But more generally, it, it showed that there's a new way, a different way of investing. And that it's not just buy and hold or maybe short perps and pray. There's a lot of what you can do. There's sure, a lot of right. Right. Yeah. We don't want to go short 10x great, leverage great uh, and, then, and then see it single wick. So, again, strategically, you can do way, way more with options. And I'm glad that folks, uh, again, for the past three, four years since COVID, basically, people have looked into it with a more kind of uh, engaged manner than just kind of, oh, it looks complex, lots of math. Let me not even look at it. Yeah. And now going right into Panoptic, which I find really interesting because you originally built as a tool to yourself. Uniswap V3 came out and then you're just playing around with it. And you're like, wait a second, Uniswap V3 is, you know, you, your, your kind of take on it was like, it's more than just an AMM. You can actually like build, a, you can build like an options protocol on it. So um, can you go into more detail about how it works and how it uses Uniswap V3 as a core primitive? And uh, do you see like, and I'm curious, and we can ask later about like Uniswap V4, but like how does Panoptic work right now? Yeah, sure. And again, I can go uh, to the origin story of, of Panoptic. Yeah, let's hear it. So again, May 2021, Uniswap V3 launched. I was an LP in Uni V1, V2, I guess, maker a token, like uh, the, the big DeFi tokens in like 2018, 19, I get 19 when, mm -hmm. when did you get launched. like a Did you get a good Uniswap airdrop from doing it's all that? It's not too bad. I mean, I think it's like yeah, yeah, twelve hundred. Not too much, but it's like uh, yeah. I could have had three accounts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had one account that was LPing with, but at the end of the day, I was excited about V three LP a little bit. You have to choose your range. It was a bit different, but then I did it for a while, and then when I closed my position and did the tally, I realized, hey, I lost money. I had no idea where the money went. It's like, okay, let me go back, and uh, this was kind of in the summer of twenty twenty one. Uh, <laughs> my first position in May and said, wait, I had to think about this. So as a summer project, again, I wasn't teaching in the summer. I was still a professor. Decided to sit down, pen and paper in hand and derive the math. What, what is the model that describes Uniswap? And you go with what's the value of your position? What happens if the price goes up 1%, 10%? So you slowly build some type of not just mental model, but real mathematical model. And from there, you see, oh, actually, this looks like selling a put option. Uh, the risks, the payoff, the actual, um, like the, the convexity is very options-like. And mm. I was trading options in TradFi and it was really easy for me to make the link. And I'm sure many people kind of have made the, the link since then, but 
it's almost like a, a too good to be true options protocol. So the Uniswap infrastructure has the spot trading on the front side, which is kind of people swapping, very easy to do. You get the best price ever. No need to worry about stop loss orders or anything like that. The LP side is a bit more difficult. Turns out it's an, an options clearinghouse and we can go into the details of how it works. But starting from that basic observation, hey, the risks of the LP position are very similar to the risks of setting an option. Now I can make uh, better decisions as an LP. So again, through the, the 2021, I was doing LPing, shorting some of the assets, using kind of management strategies that you would use with options. That helped me kind of at least be net positive, I believe, <laughs> over the year that I've discovered this. And yeah, move, and then uh, the, I was publishing my results on my Medium blog, not really thinking much of it. But then uh, my co now what is now my co-founder kind of reached out to me and he was uh, kind of thinking bigger than just, okay, better to pull LPs, but he helped us kind of move this forward. Can we make an options protocol? Not just sell options or manage your LP positions, but can you sell options, buy options, create multi-legged options? You can treat straddles, strangles, iron condors. There's a lot of a whole zoo of strategies, but the key point is that you can take this and use Uniswap as a decentralized Oracle-free clearinghouse, and Panoptic on top acts as a way to manage these LP positions. And, and we can touch upon the Oracle-free uh, part for a moment. If you think about the New York Stock Exchange, they don't need an Oracle to know what's the price of Tesla, Amazon, Microsoft. It's traded there. It's self-referencing. And if you are a different exchange, you look at the New York Stock Exchange as your price feed. So the one place where all trading happens is the most accurate pricing. And this is where most of the volume flows through. In the case of Uniswap, within the DeFi ecosystem, one, it serves that role. So it's very like where a lot of the volume goes. But beyond that, when you provide liquidity, you provide token zero, token one, token A, token B in different ratios. And if you just poke the smart contract and look at how much of that composition changes, you put at 50-50, now it's 25-75. Just the composition of that asset tells you the price. People have, have moved the price by trading. You have kind of this decentralized act, set of actors that move the price by trading to what it is now. And it's hard to manipulate because if you want to manipulate, you have to trade against all the liquidity that exists. And your position now will be 100% one asset or 100% the other asset. There's no other way around it because it's being transformed between these two. So no need for a fee to read and say, okay, the price is 2000, hence my put is out of the money, then this, this, this. No, your LP position is 100% USDC. Then it has to be out of the money. There's no other way around because this is what you have if you were to burn it. So you Got can think it. of Panoptic oh. as a, yeah, it's a it's a, another layer that is uh, maybe taking over the LP side of Uniswap V3 and Uniswap V4 eventually as well. But it's just kind of reframing LPing in terms of options, but the liquidity still ends up in the Uniswap pool. It still kind of helps stabilize the price for swappers. It still kind of acts as a way to kind of create legal markets, but it's just kind of a, an intermediary between the user and LP, LP positions. That's really Got interesting. It. Okay. Then... Yeah, let me try to see if I can kind of, you know, gift wrap that a, a little bit, Guillaume, and please correct me. Um, but a, a bit of background, I also, like you, used to trade options too, uh, so specifically um, equity options. And so when I hear of options in crypto, uh, especially with like the, the SOVs or, or uh, those, those kind of things, I was like, wow, these are so basic, rudimentary, right? Like they're always like, 
kind of one shape and you, you hope it works. But whereas uh, Panoptic is kind of going really, really deep here. Now, the way you guys are able to have the Oracle free pricing is because the composition of your assets at any moment in time would give you that reference price. Thus, it is self-referencing and, and the price is kind of path dependent from, from there. But um, I wanted to dive a little bit deeper because in a talk like I watch for preparing to the, for this podcast, you said that a price of an option normally starts fixed and then it later decays down, right? Whereas in Panoptic, it starts at literally the opposite side at zero and then it goes up. Could you kind of walk us through, like, you know, elaborate on that and kind of elaborate on how things used to work versus how things are going to work with Panoptic? Yeah, of course. And I think, yeah, the, the, the LP position itself, this is the intrinsic value of your position. This is not even thinking about price. This is what you get. You, you have an option. Mm -hmm. You participate into that payoff. When you buy an option, you have to pay for this position. If you sell an option, you get paid. And yes, if you go in TradFi uh, markets, you want to sell Tesla. You want to buy options on Tesla, GameStop. Someone wants to sell it to you. They set the price more or less. There's a mid mm -hmm. in exchange. You get paid. They get the money you, you, you get they get the money and then that's the end if and then at the expiry then the option disappears ceases to exist yep. so if you're right in your assumption maybe you bought an option that is in the money you can exercise your right to sell or right to buy and then that's how you make a profit if it's out of the money it's worthless the money is gone you don't do anything with it uh if you still believe in your assumption you can buy an option again and again and you can do it every right. day every week every month you roll this position, this is how mm -hmm. it's called, until you think, okay, I was right, it did go to the moon, I can make my money. So in TradFi, you pay every time you roll, and this is something you have to choose. Okay, do I roll right. this week or next week or two weeks from now? In Panoptic, uh, the options that you are selling, you start with selling first, is providing liquidity in, liquidity in Uniswap. And every block that happens, if there's a trade, you collect some fees. And this fee, if you start, there's no fees accumulated. The more you wait, the more fees you, you get. And when you're happy, you just close your position, collect the fees, you make 10% in fees. You hope the price was close to where you started, so you're net positive. If you think of this in terms of option, you sold an option at every block. And every block, you moved it forward. If the price was out of range, you sold it for zero. And then you still keep selling it, you make nothing. If it's in range, and there's a lot of trading activity, you get paid fraction 100%, but you do this every 12 seconds. After a day, you may make 1% because of that trading activity. So you also roll, but the, 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 the way that Uniswap and kind of Panoptic is constructed, it's, it's rolled forward until you stop rolling and then you collect your fees. If you buy an option, you take the other side, someone that rolls it forward every block, you now buy this from them, you buy it and roll it forward every block. <laughs> Every block that is in range, you pay a little bit more. You pay a fraction of a percent. So it's similar to a funding rate in perps even. So in funding rate, every mm -hmm. hour, every day, even right. every block, you pay a little bit. This is a similar view when you buy an option. And when you're happy or you're, you're, or you're losing too much money, you close your position, you pay what's owed, and you stop rolling it forward. Got it. So we so, say it's a perpetual um, option, mm -hmm. not perpetual in terms of never expiring or expiring in the future, future, it's expiring every block, more like a perp even. Like every block, it's expiring. It changes the dynamic. It's a very short dated option, which is kind of weird, but you auto roll it forward. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that is the most, um, I guess, hardest for people to understand. It's perpetual because it closes on every block, but yet also reopens and rolls on every block. So Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah, the perks it, it, world is, is something that people are used to. I mean, the funding rate realizes every hour. And again, I, I'm not sure how, how, how the proposal world. could be done every block. And that's a similar thing. And, mm -hmm. and um, yes, it's market demand. There's no trading. There's no interest. You pay nothing or you get paid nothing. Yeah. And I, I wanted to ask now, how does, um, like, normally, you know the price of an option that you pay for and you know this is your max loss if anything were to happen this is it right this is kind of your ticket price but in this situation you kind of don't so in this particular case buying an option is actually a lot more risky or would you say not really yeah so i, I would actually say uh the the you have more freedom so as you say it's moving block by block and then uh it's going to increment a few percent per day perhaps and you can look at if it's the wildest of the of tokens, Luna, Pepe, Pe, what have you, the mm -hmm. IV, the volatility could be right. a thousand percent, maybe two thousand percent, but nothing more than that. So you know even an upper bound as to what is kind of almost physically impossible in terms of IV. So you know that from this block to the next, you could even estimate what the max cost mm. is going to be. Mm. And that could be, okay, max cost per block, I do it for seven days, you could still have a mental model as to what the maximum cost is going to be. But you know it's going to be lower than that because it's not going to be at 2,000% IV uh, every block. So again, similar to a perp, you don't know what's going to be this funding rate tomorrow. You hope it's going to stay the same. And if not, you can still exit and find a way to, to kind of uh, <laughs> lick your wounds yeah. or make money yeah. if it's in the right direction. Got it. And actually, I'm glad you brought up IV because that's literally the next topic. So it was the perfect segue. And, you know, I saw in one of your talks that on-chain implied volatility is actually a lot lower because, well, the only thing you can do on-chain is just, you know, sell the options. Whereas on central exchanges, the IV are much higher because there's a two-way market of both buying and selling. Can you kind of um, explain to the, the listeners at home, like, how does IV play into uh, off-chain price calculations? Uh, and also how on the research you did, over thousands and thousands of Monte Carlo simulations, it came out to be the same as the Black Shoals pricing on the premium. Would love to hear that. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So the, the first part about how uh, IV, again, the, the, it's implied volatility. I can put my professor hat on, on, on top of my head now. Any asset that moves, fluctuates over time because of trading, because of whatever Black Swan event, has a realized volatility. You can look back the past two weeks, two months, two years, take the aggregate like standard deviation that gives you an idea of how much it was volatile, how much it moved between now and say the next five minutes. This is going to be how you can calculate the realized volatility. This is a past type of measurement. Implied is given what we know now and perhaps what's going to happen in the future, what do we think? The, uh, the volatility is going to be seven days for now, a month for now, at the expiry of your option. So it's a forward-looking measure. You don't necessarily know what it is, but it's a market-driven. If someone thinks the IV is low, they buy options. If the, someone thinks the IV is high, they sell options. And typically, these market forces equilibrate. Sellers and buyers find a midpoint. If there's a huge move, there could be inconsistencies, but very rapidly, at least in TradFi, the whole uh, volatility surface, which is called, which is 
all the IV of all the strikes at all expiries is arbed almost instantly and you get a pretty much accurate like okay the IV is there for this strike at this time so a lot of what happens in TradFi from the market making perspective is to get that IV surface right you have FPGAs that can go, go with nanoseconds uh, update mm -hmm. time to change the IV of again a million data points and this is a kind of a, a very crucial endeavor but once you know this from the market making world this is how we kind of price the options the IV what do you think the future is going to be dictates the price now given the kind of the expiry. And if you thought, go back to my initial kind of, uh, the, my shtick that LPing is like selling options, you can provide liquidity and sell options. No one can buy it from you. And if the only thing you can do on any market is to sell, and you sell and sell, the price is gonna go down. In that case, the IV is going down, the returns per unit of liquidity is lower, and you have a situation where the implied volatility is lower than the realized volatility. Realize is what the past was, and then you think it's going to be lower than that, which is kind of a weird place to be. Normally in a market, you would buy this option. Low IV environment means you can you profit more when you buy options, but it's impossible to do now. There's no kind of market for LP positions. Mm -hmm. Panoptic kind of links the LP position so that someone that wants to effectively buy an option, shorts an LP token, they pay back the fees, but then the fees was is kind of lower, lower than what it should be, so they, they have a higher, higher chance of profiting. Got it. And if I may kind of summarize that, um, there is realized volatility, which is backwards looking and can be calculated. But then there's also implied volatility, which is future looking and really set by the market. And implied volatility is really what prices options. And in the case of uh, Panoptic, the implied volatility or rather on-chain options in general, the implied volatility is just completely crushed because people could only sell options. Mm -hmm. Now Panoptic is introducing a two-way market that will hopefully bring the IV up into a normal kind of market clearing rate rather than and, kind again, of this uh, yeah. perverted. Yeah. yeah, of course. And the smart market participant would buy options in the ETH right stablecoin pools, mm -hmm. which everybody rants about on Twitter that has like lower returns. And in my personal case, I LP in the long tail of assets. I used to use, I guess, earlier finance to hedge my positions by shorting uh, Shiba Inu, Ribbon, a lot of the tokens <laughs> that were a bit more volatile. This one had a much higher IV than realized. So this is a two-sided market. We mm -hmm. opening it up. We're opening it up and allowing buying and selling so that people can do a, a again, volatility like play a little bit more than just yeah. kind of wait and hold. Yeah. And, and IV is really important because I remember sometimes even though I may be directionally correct because of vol expansion or vol collapse, it just like I'm still down. And for the longest time, I never understood that. I'm like, how can I be directionally correct, but still lose money? And this is yeah. this thing called IV. Yeah. Um, it adds another dimension to it all to consider as an options trader, whether you're buying or selling. So you have to not only like be directionally correct, but you also have to be right about the IV as well. Yeah, and I think um, personally, I s I'm selling options in Uniswap. I'm selling options in TradFi as well. And I take the other side of your uh, <laughs> your trade. I hope that the volatility collapse uh, it collapses. And then again, uh, in your case, uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a there's always two sided. So someone, so in traditional options, it's very like maybe zero sum game. You make money, mm -hmm. the other one make loses the exact same amount. In Panoptic, it, the game is a bit different. So LP positions generate fees by swappers. Mm -hmm. These, everyone that swaps pay a small fee, 30 bips, uh, five bips. 
So this is external flow of money. So the seller and the buyer do that thing. You have this external flow of cash, if you want, that comes in from the trading activity. So if you are selling an option and no one buys it from you, you get paid anyways because of this external flow of funds by swappers. So you have kind of a guarantee of a realized premium, if you will. And if someone buys the option from you, you could actually, there's a IV component as well, where they pay you a bit more than what the fees would have been. And then you can get mm -hmm. a higher return as well. But even if there are no buyers, you can actually make returns because of this realized volatility. So a lot of options, uh, okay. market, market, market makers need flow. They need someone to buy. They cannot actually sit there and do nothing. If there's no buyers, they actually leave or do something else. Here, without any buyers, as long as the Uniswap pool is traded in a kind of uh, healthy manner, you actually re receive funds or receive premium as a seller. Got it. So LP is going to earn at the very least whatever the trading fees are, but they're going to be able to earn more when using Panoptic and LP and with Panoptic. Exactly. So the, the same action, which is depositing liquidity between 1200 and 1600 in the ETH pool, you do it in Uniswap, you get the fees. In Panoptic, you get the fees plus whatever spread you get by someone buying that option from you. So it's, it's a strictly better endeavor if you want, because someone can buy. Mm -hmm. If they don't buy, you get to exactly the same point. But yeah, we can tap into the details. But with Panoptic as well, you can buy options yourself. So impermanent loss is kind of very, very scary for, for LPs. Mm -hmm. You can buy an option to create a put spread, which limits your max loss as opposed to kind of losing all of it. Or you can sell a call. You can create a straddle, the neutral strategy. The key point is that as a trader, having more tools in your arsenal allows you to better manage your risk. And again, you can have one position that's underwater, you can have another one that is offset, uh, again, and right. anti-correlated, then you can actually multi those losses. Yeah. Exactly. Got it, got it. And, and then, you know, obviously Uniswap has like the three band of uh, fee tiers, right? Like, you know, 30 bips, uh, five and one. Now, from your analysis and, and, and research, do the IV or the, the premiums, differ across all three of them like significantly like don't forget 30 0 0.05 is oh, there a 0.05 yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah so it's like yeah. Zero, yeah five bips right five, yeah, five bips, bips five one bips, bip and, one and 30 bips, bips. yeah so okay, is yeah. the 30 bip as large like six times larger than the five bips and obviously you know scale so down like I, that I'm, I'm a, yeah i'm a proponent to some extent of the efficient market hypothesis so mm. we traders are smart if there's any discrepancies between the five bips, 30 bips, 100 bips pool, and you make a tiny bit more, you'll go there. Meaning that you right. won't go to the other pools, people can migrate. So through my own research as well, through Matt, there's a relationship between liquidity, trading, and the fee tier that all equilibrates so that the IV is the same across all three. This is the quantity you have to look at. The IV of the five, 30, and 100 bips pool is the same. If it's not the same, yeah liquidity will flow to the higher one and away from the lower one because we're selling options. So it's all one and the same. Uh, of course, you have the, the stable coin, stable coin pool where there's uh, one coins, pool. One bit. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> or you have like highly volatile assets which are only one market in the 101% pool. These are their own markets. They have a lot of gotcha. mispricing. Uh, but then if you have more than two markets, it's equilibrated. Actually, it's yeah. Markets, the market knows to some extent where the opportunities is. 
God, and I, I guess that kind of leads directly into my next question about the liquidity and kind of the collateral that, that comes from that. So how do you select which liquidity to pull and from whom you pull that liquidity if, if one were to try to sell or, or rather to, to um, buy an option? Yep. So again, if the Panoptic protocol is very much like Uniswap, meaning that there's a factory contract anyone can deploy pools. We are not necessarily in control of listing strikes or listing markets. All of it will be driven by folks kind of using this factory contract and selling options where they think it, it's going to be. But yes, uh, say so you come in, you want to trade options on ETH, USDC. Uh, you as a trader may have a buy, uh, buying, uh, you may want to buy option, sell options. You would first enter the market. So the same way you have to deposit funds in Robinhood, or Coinbase to be able to trade, you first deposit some funds. You deposit USDC, you deposit some ETH, that is your balance. And you can now trade options using that balance as collateral. If you want to buy options, you can uh, you, you get 10% uh, of the notional value of collateral requirement. So you buy one okay. ETH call, you have to have 0.1 ETH in your account. You buy a uh, $2,000 Put, you have to have uh, $200 in your account. So your funds are in the Panoptic pool. You buy and sell options. The Panoptic pool moves those funds to the Uniswap pool or back if you buy. But you as a trader, you just have funds. You trade with them. You hope that when you remove those or withdraw those funds, you have more of each. So that means that when you are trading, uh, you are borrowing other people's money. Meaning that if you have a 10% collateral requirement, you borrow other people's deposits. And the whole system works where buyers and sellers can borrow funds. There's a very important role, which is the liquidity provider, which just deposits funds and doesn't trade with them. So it's similar to a lending market component, Ave. You deposit funds, those are borrowed, lent out. You get exposure to some extent to trading without, without trading yourself. And you get a, uh, the interest rate on that, uh, that, that capital that you lent out. Lend out. So we, we kind of bring back passive liquidity provisioning to Uniswap because as a fund, a DAO, mm. a small retail user, you can say, I want to put my two ETH of liquidity there. It's going to be borrowed, traded with, I get I mean, interest rate that increases over time. Uh, and then I don't have to worry about strikes and everything else. Return to tradition, return to passive LPing. Let's go. I mean, <laughs> the... the, the, the the passive liquidity was 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 a good time. It it had to come to an end because of the lack of agency. You cannot do what you want. But yes, this is like a lending market, money market. You'll get. I'm not sure rate, if it ever ended more. though, because like a lot of these uh, like meme coins, a lot of new projects, they still choose Uniswap the Uniswap V2 model as like their initial liquidity pool just because of how simple it is. Even though it may not be the most capital efficient way to have liquidity. Wait, wait till you can buy calls on on Pepe. Or oh, Shiba. Or but, Harry so, Potter, Sonic, Taninu, Obama, Taninu. On day one. Yeah. So as long as there's yeah. trading activity, we can create an options market on top. You can trade options on those <laughs> meme yeah. coins as opposed to trading the coins themselves. Buying put options is the best way to capitalize when it inevitably, inevitably goes down. So that's, that's kind of opening up a new market as well. You don't just have to buy and hold and again, uh, <laughs> sell and pray. You can actually be a bit more uh, strategic. So there has to be a Uniswap V3 pool for there to be the market for it. Yes. Okay. So the, the passive Pepe holders would perhaps deposit their funds in the Panoptic pool. Traders will trade with them. 
they don't they they, they get more PP back, whatever it's worth. Uh, they get so more like, if it's in the the passive LP pool, it goes into Uniswap V three. Yes, and then okay, it's traders, it. sophisticated uh, buyers and sellers that will move liquidity for them and say, I think the liquidity should be there, and then they they take a risk. But if it pays off, they just have to pay the interest rate and get more returns okay, as a trader. So, so if I'm a, like a new project um, launching a token, um, I don't just have to go. There's more options in Uniswap V2 now. I can just deposit my liquidity with you guys. Either and you said it can be one sided as well, or does it have to be, be both sides? One sided. You, oh, you don't even wow. have to supply your own ETH. So the so, the, the you, you, if okay. you provide okay. ETH in an ETH token pool, ETH is the put side of the market. Token mm -hmm. is the call side of the market. So if you're providing tokens, you're providing the call side. People can buy calls now. They can actually do some strategies with them. You don't even have to trade. You just have to find kind of enough uh, like traders to to buy calls, sell calls, whatever have you. So it's it's a it's a good way for for even distributing liquidity. You want to mm. distribute your tokens, you you <laughs> airdrop call options. You actually can fund the market yourself, and then people can actually trade on them as well. Well, and this hasn't really been possible before, right? Like not in this form. It's been tried, I mean, but not yeah. Folks that did it in Uni V two had a zillion tokens, and they had to source their own ETH, <laughs> and people yeah. would would. Eventually, like you would lose all of it. You have twice as much tokens and no E. Very, very bad uh, strategic decision for, for a financial <laughs> I uh, protocol. I know. So here, yeah. it's it's again the the value add is that as a protocol, you can make the price more stable. You can offer more 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 instruments to trade, not just buy. You can actually sell calls, buy calls, do whatever you want. And folks that come in, they have to deposit funds as well. They may deposit some ETH, some tokens. They also kind of, there's a flywheel effect. As ah, long as they're trading, <laughs> more people come in, more people sell, more people buy. It's a kind of a, a good, a good yeah. environment. So, so that's all good as people come in. But what about when people come out and in large size? Like I already put on this position. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm already put on. <laughs> that's a good, I never heard of that one. Um, I think that's called the downward spiral. But as we are, I, I already have a position. I borrowed LP tokens. You know, I bought an option. And then the LP decides to withdraw. Like a large LP decides to withdraw. Like how does that work? Could you walk us through that scenario? Yeah, exactly. So if we go through the process of UKIT buying the biggest uh, call options on Pepe, someone has yes, to sell it first. <laughs> yes, I come in, I sell 10 ETH worth of calls. And then you buy... Nine and a half ETH, most of it. So in theory, my position is 10 ETH in Notional, but there's only 0.5 ETH left. And if I want to exit, you remove that liquidity, I cannot, I'm locked up. And this is kind of the problem that we've identified from day one. It's like, okay, how can we get manage this uh, position where as a seller, you're pretty much like tied to what the buyer is doing. And if the buyer is making money, they don't right. want to leave, they can lock you out of your sweet Pepe tokens, and then you cannot do anything. So there are two ways to kind of uh, align incentives a little bit better. In the first case, if you if I sell 10 ETH and you buy nine and a half of those ETH, normally you would pay me back the fees that would have been collected. So I, we compute, okay, 10 ETH would have collected so many tokens. We you You have to reimburse me, pay me back. That, that amount. However, the more you purchase, the more you have a spread that is created. So instead of paying 
the fees, you pay 2x the fees, 3x the fees, 5x the fees. Here, oh. it's if you go to 9.5 out of 10, you pay something like 10 times the fees. So there's a, there's a curve where the spread increases pretty much exponentially the more you remove. It, it, again, if it's even 50%, you're stuck in that role, but you can still exit half of it. So the buyers that want to buy all the options will end up paying more in fees, meaning that the price will be higher, the IV is higher. So buying options increases the IV if we go back to the IV discussion. So we, uh, we allow people to buy all the options available, but we make, it, make the deal less sweet because they have to pay more in fees in a way that is kind of, again, like a Vega term. The more you buy, the more the IV expense. So hopefully that's okay. going to stop you get from buying all of my Pepe calls. If you still want to buy the calls and you don't mind about paying more fees, there's another kind of scenario where, where we can, uh, I can I can close my positions. This is a new concept that had to be implemented because our options are perpetual. They don't expire. Right. Be In careful. a normal scenario. Kit loves yeah, his Pepe's. Be careful. <laughs> no, so. You can hold it for 10 years if he wants. Yeah. I cannot do anything. Pepe's so. are forever. <laughs> the key point is in TradFi, you can wait till it expires. Expiring means it's either worthless, they settle, they make money, you get your, your losses, but at least that's happening. Here, what we allow is to force the exercise of a long position. So if you are out of range, meaning that if it's in range, you pay the fees, maybe 50x the fees, but you pay them. So I don't want to leave yet. I, won't, I, don't want to, I want to make sure I collect these extra fees. But if you're mm -hmm. out of range, you don't pay anything. I don't collect anything either. In that case, whether you hold it or not, you're in the money. You 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 can buy the asset for whatever price. So I can force you to exercise. And this is similar to liquidation, where the force exerciser takes control of an account, closes that one position, puts back the liquidity. Now I can actually withdraw my 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 funds. So force exercising is like the the opposite of early assignment when you sell an option here. You force right. the exercise earlier than the user wants. As an exerciser, you have to pay a fee. The, the exercise will be compensated somewhat by, by getting their positions closed for them. But overall, if it's out of range, meaning that if it's, <laughs> I don't know what the price uh -huh. of the is, but if it's outside of the range where yeah. it collects liquidity, then you can close it. And then you should not be as mad <laughs> because you stop paying anyways. And your, your, kind of, your right to exercise your option is, is, is realized. I see. Okay. Okay. And let me try to wrap my head around that. And so effectively, you're telling me there's a multi-step sequence in ensuring that the user um, is made not whole, but made fair. The system is designed to be fair. Now this, so let's say I have a large position, but because of this large position, AKA a high utilization rate of this liquidity band, I have to pay exponentially more and more and more as I consume more and more of this liquidity. Just like on the, a counter example, or rather a, a parallel example, would be Frax Lend. Like what happened with the CRV and Frax Pair, where as all of the Frax in that pool was being consumed, the utilization rate skyrocketed, and thus the interest rate also increased to astronomical levels. Unbearable, so unbearable that you know a, a user had to come in and pay down you know their debt first and foremost right away before any other protocol so you're basically applying that very similar situation to this case is like exactly i, would I mean, get we, sick of yeah 
<laughs> I, we've always exactly. So this is it has to hurt. It has to be more than a hundred percent APY. This is this is peanuts in terms of what you can gain. So in our yeah. case, we make it go to as high as it can get. So the frax <laughs> the same thing. So you, you you again you look at lending protocols. It taps off at again maybe hundred percent. The 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 mathematical certainty that you'll pay a lot in a single trade in a single block means that you have to monitor your positions a bit more closely. Got it. Got it. So the buyer now, yes. yeah, yeah. And then there's a final part where there's a break glass in case of emergency, and that would just liquidate the person who's in the money and just kind of make everybody whole. Yeah. So right? it's it's liquidate or force exercising. You you take this option. Yeah. It's a position. You close it for them. It's not. It is a distress account. They are not necessarily underwater, but you close it for them. You pay, reimburse them for the, the trouble if you want. But yes, so that yeah. you don't want to like force excise someone too quickly. It's like there's a fee as well to, to, to do that. Got it. Got it. Yeah, because I mean, forcing the, someone to close their position is even though their position is, you know, fully collateralized and well, it's, it's still a liquidation. You, you helped me liquidate <laughs> my position without my desire to do so. Exactly. Okay. I see. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how you protect LPs. Okay. Um, Dave, any question on your end? Yeah. Uh, so right now you guys use Uniswap V3 as a primitive. Now with Uniswap 4 uh, coming out or Uniswap 4, you know, eminent. Um, how do you guys plan to use Uniswap V4? Um, and like, how does that go into uh, Panoptic's plan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, um, we're very close to the team at Uniswap. We, we had a seed round last year. They invested in our round. I had the grant from the Uniswap Foundation. And I'm even a Uniswap DAO delegate. I, 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 we asked them last year, okay, what are we going to do with V4? We're building on V3. Are we, are we going to get screwed? Yeah. And they were kind enough to actually open the code to us. So through an NDA, we've known since last summer. Oh, wow. All hooks-based structures, singleton. And then when it was released, I guess we could finally talk about it. But that helped us prioritize what we want to do for Panoptic V1 and what we're going to do with Panoptic V2, which is going to be built Ooh. on V4. So V3, again, we can launch. We'll launch probably um, in a few weeks in a gated fashion on layer two, battle test the, the ecosystem and finally launch in Q4 or early Q, Q1 this next year on Ethereum mainnet. But yes, that is going to be a little bit more siloed. Each Uniswap pool has a panoptic pool. You deposit funds. They can only be used in one market. Uh, what we want to do with V2 and Uniswap V4 is cross-margining or even portfolio margining. All the funds in V4 are held in this singleton contract. We can also create a singleton panoptic pool. So now it's much easier to keep track of balances, net different positions against one another across pools, which is pretty difficult to do in V1. So first and foremost, we tap into the different architecture to make, create a more capital efficient cross-margining system for options. And beyond that, we can also combine options more e easily with the hooks based structure. Now we're built at the periphery meaning that we have like two or three entry points, which is mint LNP position, burn it, or swap. And now we can actually go deep inside the contract and do kind of the before, uh, before adding liquidity, after adding liquidity hooks, and we can do a lot more complex operations. So that wow. means you can, yeah, you can buy an option in one pool, sell another option in one another pool, combine those together, create a new type of asset that is pretty exotic, but still you can do it in a single transaction. You can say it gives you more options. More fun exactly. so, I mean, overall, <laughs> we were pretty excited about the path that they took, meaning that 
it's open to everyone. They are allowing folks to build deep inside. It's not as if they were closing off and finding, okay, we have the solution, they're opening up. So we think we have a pretty good solution about how to make LPs more profitable and better traders. The options part kind of falls out naturally without even trying. But we are going to be tapping in this, into this even more when we launch again. V2 this is maybe the first before. time I heard of a project or protocol uh, giving information about their V2 before their V1 is fully yeah. released. Usually, <laughs> usually it's like the V1 is like released and then it's like, okay, like what do we need to do for like V2? But no, you're like doing both in parallel. Yeah, I won't really, um, yeah. really, I won't really reveal anything about V3 yet. So oh, V3? Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, have you guys started thinking about V3? V4. No, no, I can't. So, no, probably not. So I think it could be like our V3 could be like the V4 where it's opened up. We are kind of this public good. Anyone can trade, anyone can build. Like we, if someone wants to build a regular options market with expiring options, you can actually do it using Panoptic as the core infrastructure. You can do it again. So no, forget about V3. V2 is... Uh, again, Uniswap told us like a couple of years. So 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 we'll mm -hmm. see when they finally launch. They need to wait for Cancun and then even audit the code. So if it comes within the next six to eight months, we'll be ready, I guess, to launch. Um, oh, launch so like V4. the plan is to have like V2 launch with V4. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, a lot of the, the migration will not be obvious, I think. Like, mm -hmm. would you stay in V3, you go in V4? Ultimately, Uniswap is a LP focused product. You swap. You can swap on balance, or you can swap anywhere else. Uh, there's no, <laughs> there's no loyalty in swapping. You can do mm -hmm. go where the best price is. LPs. This is a more complex endeavor. You have to worry about risk. You have to worry about returns. You want to go to the best best place possible. So V3 could still be better off if there's no good V4 alternative. So again, we want to be able to, uh, like, onboard users on Panoptic v on V3 make sure that they understand how it works. And then when we move on to V4, it's going to be natural for them. Okay, now I do this and plus much, much more. Mm. And Got so uh, mm -hmm. I was going to ask, um, you know, we've had a few other options and derivatives protocols on the program. We've had Gamma, Gamma Swap, we've had Infinity Pools. How do you guys uh, compare and contrast uh, to your contemporaries? Yeah, so I think, again, this is kind of the new wave, DeFi maybe 3.0. Oracle free, very permissionless, no intermediaries. A lot of it is kind of more DeFi native, more, more, more following the ethos of DeFi. So I am, I, I welcome everyone that is even Ajna Finance. This is kind of the lending protocol that is Oracle free as well. This is a new way. It's like we were doing mag magazines on websites, like it was in the '95 to whatever 2000 era. Now we can do something truly unique. Again, Uniswap was of course the visionary there, but we can do something truly unique. A lot of what we do with options, again. It may seem complex, but it turns out it's simpler because of the composability, the fact that you have AMMs, the fact that everything is permissionless. It's simpler to build an options protocol, I, I feel, than, than if you were to do it piece by piece, very Tradify-like, with order books, with expiry, with oracles, everything else. So yeah, everything oracle free I support. Uh, you have Gamma Swap and Infinity Pools. They are maybe uh, looking at like subsets of the kind of option space. I think Gamma Swap is more of a like volatility type of play. Like you, you sell vol by vol, kind of mm -hmm. full range type. Yep. Uh, Infinity Pool is more on the derivatives, maybe buying options or doing kind of leverage trading. We are maybe focused more on the first and foremost selling options, but we can do again volatility plays as well. We can do like perp like or derivatives like, but it's like LPs, a product LPs will be more at home, I'd say, because it's the same thing again with with better better tooling. You're having LPs in mind. 
I mean, I'm an LP myself. It's out yeah. of necessity that, again, I did the research <laughs> to know why I lost money. I started to write these articles. I We got to a point where we could build it so that I'll be the first user for sure. What are your thoughts on other AMMs such as like Balancer? And we, we had on the Ambient folks uh, on like a few weeks ago. Um, could you see Panoptic possibly like building on maybe other AMMs like those? Or do you guys, are you guys just like loyal to Uniswap? No, so, I mean, we, we, we like Uniswap because this was around well, not two years. We know how it works. Again, Ambient, mm -hmm. it's a bit newer. Uh, so it's easier to port the code on Uniswap forks. We can go mm -hmm. on PancakeSwap, for instance. It's the same code base, so it's fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'd say that the 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 key point is that uh, it has to be frictionless. It has to be mm. as open as possible. The LPs mm. have to have like liberties. You don't want to be kind of adding mechanisms to do X, Y, Z. Again, you need V3 to some extent was the first one, so we just did, left it open. So a lot mm. of what I see is people trying to create limit implement loss, limit like change the fees, do X, Y, Z to make it maybe better for LPs, but no, the opposite has to happen. It has to be as uh, open, open as possible, as frictionless, and the trades, the traders will, will figure out what's the best yeah. way to do it. When you said you were LP first, it reminded me of the Ambient interview because that's what they said. Like they're thinking be LP first, but for like spot LPs, you guys are thinking let's be LP first, but have this like for options, like using yeah. That. So again, yeah. in in an AMM, right? Who is the spot market maker? It's not the LPs. The LPs. They just put their yeah. money there. Oh. They don't do anything. They don't have to manage the, the spreads and, and go worry about toxic flow. The AMM is doing it. Maybe doing it badly, sure. but they match the orders. They set sure. out the price. They have the quotes. They're automated so market takers. <laughs> they are, yeah. <laughs> Always taking. Yeah. So at the end of the day, the, the, a lot of the like criticisms perhaps of uh, Uniswap and why maybe LPs aren't profitable is coming in from this kind of spot market making world where markouts are important and then sale orders and everything else. Whereas it's marking, making options is a totally different universe than spot. My view is that LPing is a lot closer to market making options than marking making spots. That's why I kind of we're building a whole protocol, of course, on, on top of it. But yeah, it's, it's a different different beast, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and speaking of like all these competition, like it, in my mind, so I, I used to use uh, Toss, Think or Swim, and then when uh, Tasty Trade released their dough product, I started using dough. And for, for folks who don't know, you guys just got to Google or rather uh, um, Guillaume here has a slide that shows you the difference between a toss option chain versus how Doe does it. And I think the battle is because this is super complicated. Like we're lucky that all of us here are nerds plus all our listeners and audience are nerds, but outside of this, <laughs> yeah, we love you. In other words, outside of this circle, um, not a lot of people are going to get it. So the competition, in my opinion, is going to come down to design and how easy it is for you to kind of communicate that. So, like, how are you guys thinking about doing this? I saw, you know, there's some drag and drop feature where you can literally build whatever payout you want. And but I think design is going to be at the key of this product to be able to get more users to adopt it. Yeah. And again, so Think of Swim, for those that don't know, is, is one trading platform that revolutionized options trading in like early 2000s. It was built by options traders and they, they, they did, this is what we traded in the pits. This is what retail users has to have access to. And it was kind of mind blowing. Before it was impossible to trade. Now it's a bit better. The UX is still hard, but at least you can, you can mm -hmm. re, uh, understand it. Though is this next iteration, uh, Tasty Trade and Tasty Live is what they, they do now. 
I'm, I'm a big fan of the, these guys, but yes, the UX, how you can actually trade options is a huge problem. Even in TradFi, you look at an options chain, it's Excel spreadsheets collapsed <laughs> with other Excel spreadsheets. You click, more numbers appear. You have no idea what you're looking at. What's, go, what's going on? Oh, the price is, is down. That <laughs> sounds like down, my worst nightmare. <laughs> I know. Oh, it is, Dave. It is. It's an Excel sheet yeah, within so an Excel it sheet. It takes a while. It's of like a Russian when... doll of Excel sheets. Oh, <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. When you have, uh, again, physics PhD, then, of course, I can know the math and understand the numbers. But even then, it's actually even hard to know, okay, what do all these new numbers do? So there's a few ways, even from TradFi, to make the experience better. In our case, we are a bit lucky in a sense. We don't have an expiry. You can actually trade at whichever strikes you want. So the options chain can actually go away. We don't even need it. Meaning that our own interface is innovative itself. It's not even needing to show the same <laughs> Russian doll of Excel spreadsheets. We can actually be a bit more innovative. It's, it's, it's unfortunate this is, a again, a podcast, but our interface is going to blow people's minds off. It's, we spend a lot of efforts. We spend a lot of work to make it seamless intuitive as you mentioned you drag stuff around it's not just dragging but if you want to buy a put option you see the payoff in front of you you know if the price is above i don't know uh 1500 you lose money if it's below you make money you see it right away in your kind of on your screen and you can adjust it if you're not happy with it, you can drag it ar around you can create multi-legged positions you can adjust it in a way that is kind of truly unique we uh, so tasty trade has some features that I like that we ported there. We take this mm -hmm. the next level, of course. But of course, the experience would be retail focused, beginners focused, extremely easy oh. to use. My uh, the folks on our team, coders now can 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 play with it, and they can see like, okay, oh, I'm meeting call options, strangles, straddles, whatever you want to call it. You you can see what what you're creating as opposed to just being numbers, numbers on screen that shows up as numbers on a row. Now it's actually all this visual uh, representation. So expect so, fewness, a few announcements soon. So we'll be, again, in a few weeks, we'll be launching the, the, the beta, the gated launch. People will be able to play with it for the first time and see how, how, how great it looks. So is your target audience of all experience levels, beginners and advanced? Um, and how do you plan to attract users to the platform? Because I feel like historically the problem with DeFi, like with options on chain has been attracting users because it's either it's either too simple or too complicated. It's hard to find that middle mm -hmm. ground, you know? Yeah. So again, the, the, my grandma is not on DeFi and then there's no point trying to cater to <laughs> the one yeah. side of the spectrum. <laughs> trying to cater for the most experienced ones is, is not the right way either. They won't find what they need. They say, wait, 12 seconds latency. What this, what is this shit? So again, <laughs> there's a medium medium. And it turns out that crypto native users are perhaps on the higher end of the spectrum in terms of what they can do uh, with their funds. We call them pro tail users. This is our pro target. Yeah. Pro -tail. Pro retail pro tail. Oh, so again, I maybe like a term, that. a term borrowed from, from tasty trade, but yes, uh, <laughs> the key point is that if we can't attract the most, the nerds in front of me, the most sophisticated DeFi users, if they cannot understand options, then we're lost. This is the crowd that this is meant for. Perp trading itches, it scratches that itch a little bit. You can have leverage, you can do a lot of cool stuff up and down. This is kind of engaging. Options is a lot more uh, strategic. You can be a lot more, uh, you can do a lot more with options than you can do with, with spot and perps. So my grandma is happy with buying ETFs. 
someone, <laughs> my gambling uncle can buy perps. I want the, 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 the nerds and the DeFi degens to be able to trade options as kind of this more sophisticated way. And once they get it, once it's not for everyone, of course, once they get it, once they see this as a different way, it's a parallel way of, of kind of generating yield, they'll see this. Again, still buy and hold, but then they will reserve some portfolio to options, which is why I do. Now it's probably like 95% options for me and 5% buy and hold. I want to, again, this is going to be a ratio for one, but I want this to be an option for everyone. And if we gain traction, if we actually have users that benefit from it, not just kind of uh, financially, but also kind of see this as a new way of investing, then we can actually hope that when institutions finally come, they can actually use a protocol that's fully mature and kind of liquid. If uh, we want to reach the long tail of asset of very, very like exotic options, we can actually even talk to funds and, and, and they can they can trade on on, on, on on Panoptic. But yeah, overall is enlarging the user base. I I think this is a perfect product for any DeFi DGen now. DeFi DGen, if you want to be kind of uh, high risk, you can be more conservative as well. Risk management, this is a strategy for you. It's actually very, very uh, kind of a unique, way of investing that again uh, i'm sure that's degens uh, of folks. all kinds yes, yes. degens of all yes. kinds it's like um, it's almost a perfect crowd mm -hmm. there's no way that DeFi degens won't get options because this is kind of what they are used to they have a ledger wallet <laughs> they have a seed phrase they are used to this kind of super weird stuff but once they latch into something then of course uh they, they're fully committing so that, that's kind of right, what right. people didn't know how to lp before but now they do People never yeah. three three before, but now they nine nine. So you know, <laughs> people learn. Go the back DGens to two will years learn. Ago. <laughs> the DGens exactly. will learn. But um, I mean, I, I, I'm going to ask you a hard question now, Guillaume. Is like you describe these users, and I, I agree they are out there. But now, how are you going to win them over? How are you going to attract them to your platform? What is the go to market yeah. here? Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like I'm speaking to VCs. Uh, yes, go to market. <laughs> <laughs> Key point is that Uniswap V3 now has $3 billion worth of liquidity. This is folks that are providing liquidity, could be funds, could be bots. I don't know who does it. It's actually options that have been sold. No one can buy it from them yet, but it's people that have, are willing to take the options exposure, the risk, the actual uh, returns of an option. So it's not just onboarding new users from all the other protocols is just converting first this huge amount of LPing that happens in Uniswap v3. But instead of going to the Uniswap interface and find this kind of okay interface, but then you don't exactly know what's going on, maybe they have, uh, if they are extremely um, <laughs> proficient, they have their own smart contracts that does it for them. Or you can onboard them to Panoptic, very sleek interface, very easy to understand. And the key point is that LPing is a like ruling an option. You have to do it every day, every week, perhaps every month, but it's a decision. Okay. Where do I do it now? Do I adjust? Do I increase my size, decrease my size? It's a constant set of decisions. And every time they say, do I try Panoptic now? Uh, no, maybe next time, maybe next time, maybe next time. Once they do the jump and try it or see their friends doing it, it's going to be hard to go back because they have better returns. The interface will be better. And the gas as well is going to be likely uh, smaller than what it is in, 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 in uh, Uniswap. So overall, we, we, we feel like the existing crowd is a huge market to tap into allow people to sell options in Panoptic means that now people can buy options in a way that is kind of something that they can they cannot be done cannot be done before. And yes, that that's the the slice of the pie of the Uniswap market share we get on the LP side is perhaps the best the best indicator of our of our kind of success in terms of like um, go to market. 
Got it. Okay, friend dot panoptech. Okay, I see. <laughs> okay, got it. Uh, and another hard question for me is like, how does panoptic make money? Oh yeah. So uh, so how do DeFi protocols make money? So there's a Uniswap V1, V2, even V3 doesn't make money. Yeah. There's no. a fee switch. <laughs> there's a protocol fee. This is kind of the the. With V4, there's also other ways to capture fees without necessarily turning them on. So you need to have some revenue as a protocol, and hopefully this revenue will flow to token holders. So we see Panoptic perhaps as two different entities. One is the protocol. We don't launch with a token yet. Uh, we don't want to have a uh, double whammy of SEC and CFTC uh, coming down mm -hmm. on us with us releasing a token and creating a derivatives-like uh, exchange. But it means that the fee capture of the protocol should flow to the token holders. The fee capture of Panoptic, the US-based entity, for instance, should flow maybe to stakeholders and, and kind of shareholders. So there's two ways we see, same way that Uniswap, there's a protocol, there's Uniswap Labs. It's two different ways. Of course, uh, tokenomics dictates that you should kind of capture free, redistribute to, to users. On the, uh, even the um, meat space side, there's also other mm -hmm. ways to capture revenue. And again, the the even with Uniswap, we can think of like how they can generate revenues from their interface NFT platform. There's other ways to just be beyond swaps. We we can also add a similar layer of, of value add uh, from the the panoptic kind of uh, meat space world. And so, got it. Oh, go ahead, Ken. Oh, I just want to summarize that question because um, you kind of lost me after you said we don't have a token yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of forgot everything else after that. Um, but all, all jokes aside, is there going to be a fee on top of the you know usual Uniswap you know trading fees, or how does the protocol yeah. make money? Let, yeah, let me rephrase. Yeah, currently, uh, if you go on Uniswap, you swap and you pay a fee to the LPs. If you go on Panoptic, and you tap into the leverage component, where I mentioned earlier, we can borrow funds. This right. is meaning that I can double the size of my position get twice the fees, twice the risk, but at least I get more returns. So the borrowing part is where users will pay a fee. This fee will flow to the liquidity providers, the passive users, those that just park their money there. And the same way gotcha. as, a, as a lending protocol. So gotcha, it's on the gotcha. movement of liquidity in and out of Uniswap that we collect a fee. Whereas again, Uniswap is on the swapping between two assets that they collect a fee. So, so it's kind of two orthogonal ways, I guess, uh, that you can cover the, the Uniswap fee capture ecosystem got it okay Dave, so so will there be a governance framework for panoptic in the future so yeah in terms of governance i don't I, I i'm not a big fan of governance either tokens or forums or anything that is people arguing on a forum and, and at the end like not voting that much so from we are building panoptic to be governance minimized so our v1 will be like Uniswap V1, no one is in control. It's launched. We can walk away. It's going to run on its own forever. And there's no parameter to set. There's a few kind of key things we have to think very hard about. But once they're set, there's a stone and we can change. This is how we see Panoptic V1 go. In terms of Panoptic V2 as well, we don't think there's a place for parameter optimization, parameter voting. A lot of what you see is kind of maybe like not enabling growth as much. Uh, if it's a DeFi with a token that is governance-based versus something else. So yeah, long story short, I'm not a big fan of governance. And then again, most of our team uh, is, is kind of thinking about those lines. So we won't be releasing 
governance-based token if, uh, if we ever do it. Got it. And last question on my end, um, you mentioned a, a gated launch in the near future. Um, what does your roadmap look like? Uh, the gated launch and beyond the gated launch, when do you guys expect to have the launch launch? Yes, exactly. So we are uh, at a point where the contracts are done, the interface is done as well. We are onboarding users kind of in stealth mode now, but we will be allowing users to try out the platform. We have to go on a layer two real funds and a real Uniswap pool because we cannot be arbing the testnet price of tokens mm -hmm. uh, all day. So it's going to be something where people can do a trade competition. They have a limited number of funds at stake, but then that's going to be helping us balance the ID. So we'll do this for a month, perhaps two months, three months, for as long as we need, so that we can figure out exactly, like, <laughs> get the best product out. And yes, once this is done, there's not much more that we can do. Uh, we just launch the factory contract, and then once this is done, it's on its own. We can actually focus on the V2, of course. But then, yeah, Q4, early Q1 will be when we launch, launch. And then uh, V4, through OpenOptic, hopefully, uh, or maybe 1.5, depending on how we tackle this, we will have a version that will be ready to launch when V4 launches as well. Got it. And uh, Guillaume, I just want to jump in here and say that although this is a, a podcast, we also air it on YouTube. So if you do want to showcase any interface or have any sneak peek, like, you know, that's also available to you. Oh, just, just yes. Just putting actually, it out there. Give me five seconds. I'll try to see if the... Oh. Yes, we're gonna get a sneak peek at this platform. Uh, I love exclusive. The, yeah, Exclu I, flywheel exclusive. Yes, the, the 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 ambient finance guys did a really great job with their UI, and and they kind of also showcased it on the pod. So I I would love to give you the same chance too. Same thing right. with the Infinity Pool folks. All right, can you see this? Yes, yes, yes. we got right. this. So, um, all right, I'm I'm happy to share some of the um, user interface that we had in mind for Panoptic. As I mentioned earlier, there's no options chain. There's actually a good like space for us to innovate. And the one thing that we kind of want to tap into is that, again, you still have to choose kind of the pair, USDT, USDC pool, for instance, in that case. But if you don't know what you want to do, first you can actually choose a set of strategies that exist. You could be bullish, you could be neutral, you could be bearish. So if you're bearish, uh, you can buy a put option and choosing this will load that put payoff that I mentioned earlier. So you are setting a put at one point, you're buying a put at 1.3 strike. Uh, this is what it looks like. If the price goes up, you lose the premium you're paying. If it goes down and it goes below whatever, 1.105, at 1.05, you, you make money. So this is what you are buying into if you trade a put option. You can actually drag it if you're not happy with the payoff profile. So it can be deep out of money, you don't pay much. It can be deep in the money and you have more like a perp-like product where it's kind of shorting the asset. But everything that you can actually see, if it allows you to stop, you can go and mint it and it's gonna be issued to you. And this is what you're gonna be looking at. You have your current price here, you have your payoff, and you know if you're in the red, of course, you're losing. If you're in the green, uh, you're making money. So. Put options, you can also buy uh, call options, you can sell these put options as well. All of it will be extremely wow. kind of user-friendly. Uh, you can add more legs. So in that case, let me create a, uh, a straddle or strangle. This is something I, I trade qu quite often. You can actually create exactly the payoff profile you want. In that case, you know that the price uh, stays between 0.9 and whatever, two, you're making money. Otherwise you can lose. So 
all of it is extremely user-friendly. You can, again, once this stops there, you can just mint it. And it's going to be issued to your to your wallet. Uh, now, yeah, I don't have funds, so I cannot mint it. But yeah, and then you can look at a lot of the different strategies. They have funny names, for instance, Jade Lizards, Iron Condors. The key point is that you are not locked into just buying and setting options. In that case, you can create this kind of Jade Lizard, which is something you have to kind of adjust exactly the way you want it. And then the key points that if you create this kind of limited loss to the downside, you have this other money strangle or straddle. And again, you can actually be extremely strategic. You have a neutral to bear bullish view. You can uh, sell a EJ lizard. You have something that's a little bit, um, uh, yeah, that's a little bit more kind of omnidirectional. You can buy a straddle. And again, you don't pro know which way it's going to go. You know it's going to move. Then you can buy a straddle at the money and then you profit when it moves. Wow. This is actually, I mean, it's very intuitive to, to me, but, but Dave, how, how do you feel? I think it's really cool just visualizing it. Like, I mean, the things, the first thing I think of when I see this straddle um, was the recent price volatility that we had last week when it was <laughs> on, when we were filming this week in Frax on air, everything just fucking dipped. And then like, <laughs> after we got off air, uh, there was those like ETF rumors that I don't even know were even true or not, but then it just went up. Like, imagine if you had a straddle, then how much money you would make from that kind of volatility. So, um, yeah. I think this is an awesome product and I think it's really the, the real innovation in this UI, which DeFi has struggled with for so long is how visual it is. Um, and you can see, you can customize the kind of risk and hedge you want to do if you want to, you know, let's say I have like an FXS, I'm long FXS, which I am, but like, <laughs> I want to like, you know, hedge myself. I could like hedge FXS here. Um, yeah, and, exactly. Uh, you can buy yeah. put options, get some downside protection. The key point is that your what you're looking at is the instrument you're trading. I know it's weird, but you're not thinking about numbers like entry point, exit point. You know exactly what your value is at every price. And that's how, again, you should trade again. The, mm -hmm. the Do platform pioneered some of it, but the key point mm -hmm. is that it's easy to understand this is going to make you money if the price goes down. To <laughs> easy, yeah. easy. And same thing, it's yeah. easy to understand that if it goes up, it's not like a perp where you get liquidated, you have limited downside risk in that case. So again, to some extent, even options are a better version of perps because of this kind of non-liquidation aspect of it. And yeah, that, the, the, that's how I think about options myself. It's like you have to think about what the actual payoff looks like and then nothing else matters if you think about it. It's just how much you're making money. And then we still show the Greeks, we still show a lot of the um, quantities that you'd like to see as an options trader, like probability of profit. This is something that, again, might be weird, but you know exactly what's a probability you'll make a profit in two weeks, for instance. Yeah. This is a mathematical formula, you can solve it. And you know, okay, buying this put gives me 30% chance of being profitable, or if it's all the way out there, it could be 50%, or it could be changing. So. It's very, very visual, but then you can also back it up with the real numbers from, from option trading world. Got it. And I saw you had Delta there too. Is, is that going to be able to pop yes, up? Yes. I, I saw yeah, it was it's a not question updating. mark earlier. If uh, you look okay. at the Delta here on the tooltip, um, it's the slope at the current price. So mm -hmm. it's easy to, so we will update it. Uh, the Delta, again, mm -hmm. we can go to the bare, like the definitions of Delta and then still show them. I guess that's the key. Um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Wow, this is really intuitive. 
So yeah, we'll, so the the there's a few more things that need to add. You need if you buy options, you need to know where liquidity is. So again, there's a few tabs here we'll we'll, we'll fit out. But yeah, that's kind of the idea. Uh, yes, okay. <laughs> should fund this account. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you should um, just to do it for the culture. Rename every single animal that is the strategy into a wasi. So yeah, I just put on an iron wasi right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, so we'll have payoff engineers. So this is kind of what the traditional finance world have done. And again, they come in, come up with these names. But yeah, we can take ownership of a option strategy that you can only do in DeFi wasi. Yeah, iron wasi is a good one. Uh, yeah. Jade wasi as well. Strangle wasi. Uh, wasi strangle. Strangle wasi. I think <laughs> that's going to be a popular yeah. position. So, yeah. um, like this looks like a lizard, right? A little bit. So, yeah, so yeah, and a little condor bit, maybe with the so jade wasi. We, we, it has to look like a, a wasi as well. So it's not just yeah. the, the name, but yeah. yeah All right. True. Perfect. And then uh, just actually, here is a good uh, way to think about options for those who are very brand new. All right, this is what I, I used to teach people. Um, so when you think of the word call, think of a, a plus sign. And when you think of the word put, think of a negative sign. Now, when you think of the word long, you think of a plus sign. And when you think of the word short, is a negative sign. So now in this case, if I am short a put, which means I am negative multiplied by a negative, which gives me a positive. So I actually am long. Like I want it to go up. Now, if I am selling a call or shorting a call, which is a minus sign multiplied by a plus sign, which gives me a negative, which means I want the price to go down. So you can draw this on a graph for yourself. It is a very easy way to, to understand that. Yeah, exactly. And the, the this is also seen here again, the, the short call, you make money on the downside and lose on the upside. So yeah, the the the... It's even it's it's easy to to see also visually again the the, the way that it all flips but yeah overall mm -hmm. good 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 uh, way of teaching it yeah the short call long call short put long put <laughs> yeah that's the easiest <laughs> way it's heavy. a little graph yeah, exactly. that everyone yeah everyone gets so nervous like wait do I want to, do I want the price to go up or down if I'm short a put you know it's, it's so oxymoronic but anyways yep. uh, I just wanted to give that tip bit for you guys thank you Kit. And like that was a nice explanation way to wrap up this interview. Um, but before we go, uh, we always like to do a lightning round uh, where we get to know our guests off the chain. Well, you know what they like to do outside of all this building and uh, fun yeah. stuff we do here. So, Kit, I'll let you ask the first question. Yeah, uh, the way I like to say is this is our way to get to know the the person behind the builder, the person behind oh, the PFP. The the person you know. behind the protocol. All right. Yes, the person <laughs> behind the protocol. Nice alliteration. And so the first question for me is, what was your virgin crypto experience? When did you first touch the blockchain and sex doesn't count? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's probably in, uh, I, w I was seeing these threads on Reddit about Ethereum going from whatever, $10 to $100. And then I said, <laughs> what, is, what is this? So I downloaded MetaMask. This was probably like mid-2017. And yeah, and I think I probably sent some <laughs> eat to myself, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> it was man, very, yep. nice, very virgin. And then second question is, what is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity, hobbies and interests? Oh, I like walking, hiking. Uh, I have a uh, two-year-old at home and a, a newborn uh -huh. as well, but then we go on hikes, we go on, on like a backpack thing. So yeah, 
I love I love going out. Lindy hike. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, when? Right. I know what? I said Lindy hike. <laughs> oh, like Lindy walk, but Lindy hike. Sorry, it's a. The, to, never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Have dude, you ever ahead. heard the term Lindy before? Like, uh, that's, like if something's Lindy, it has staying power. Um, it's a meme on Twitter. I see. It's named after a diner <laughs> in New York. Um, so have, have you heard of Lindy before, Kit? I've heard of Lindy, but I didn't know it was the diner. Okay. So basically, the story behind Lindy is uh, the actors on Broadway in New York, they'd go to this diner called Lindy. And they and what they noticed was the longer a play was live, like was you know in show, like was actually you know in production, the longer longer it would last. So if a play is like last a week, then it's gonna you know last a week longer, a year than a year, uh, ten years, ten years. So the longer something around, the more staying power it has. Um, and so like Lindy, so like so like there's just never mind. So that's the that's the thing behind Lindy. Oh, okay. Anyways, off off topic, but um. Yeah, what would be some advice to your younger uh, younger self? Uh, I don't take more risk. Maybe I did take a lot of risk again uh, during my career, but not necessarily money and then like gamble, but rather like if you have two options, always go for the more. What appears risky is at the end the one that has the highest payoff, and I guess you may fall, but then overall it's it's like the uh, yeah. Hey guys, that. got it. Bet more on yourself. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Long dated, far out the money options. Only way to go. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, a question for me is if you weren't in academia, weren't in finance or crypto and tech, what career path would you be on right now? Yeah, I'd be farming right now, harvesting. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, this was. This is what's fine. It's like, yeah, outdoors, hard work, no pay. Uh, no, no, I think I no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Some yield. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I, 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 I change careers or change uh, directions every few years anyways. So I don't even know what I'm going to uh, do five years from now. So, <laughs> yep. All right. Looking back, Indeed. I have no idea. And so who would you recommend uh be the uh, guest on flywheel like who do you want to see on the flywheel podcast yeah it has to be um like crypto now is in the bear market there's like not a lot of action going i'm trying always to pick up fights on twitter especially when it's about uh, uniswap lping uh but yeah any a, a lot of folks are approaching this with different point of views i mean you had infinity bulls you had the gamma swap but also there's like ambient there's a lot of folks that are actively trying to kind of find a solution and then take this in a way that is kind of more than just degen and, and then we'll Ponzi this out. But yeah, there's a lot of great folks. So again, um, Max, Max Resnick, I have a good friend of mine, is also as uh, Al Alex Neslobin, another professor dropout, I guess. He's also pretty cool. So yeah, if you want to, they've been again um, uh, doing the rounds as well. But yeah, they, 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 uh, they what, cool what are they working on? So it's a different way of uh, managing. Uh, helping LPs to be profitable. If you know about loss versus rebalancing, mm -hmm. it's like a, 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 basically like the noise. You can, you have to worry about price movement. So again, they have other ways. So again, it's, it's highly academic, very, very interesting research. Uh, but yeah, I don't know about podcasts. Yeah. Yes. And um, where can people find you and Panoptic and keep up with everything Panoptic? 
Yeah, so there's always uh, our Twitter accounts, me and my co-founder, uh, Jesper uh, Christensen. We're both on Twitter. Mine is um, G-U-I-L underscore Lambert. Uh, uh, then we have panoptic.xyz, uh, which is our website. Again, we, we are more pr present on Twitter. We do announcements there. There's also a blog you can see on the website, but yeah. Try to be you guys have nice world. threads. You have very well written threads for anybody curious to learn more about Panoptic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Guillaume, thank you so much for coming on. This was uh, quite the insightful interview. We got to go deep into all things options and beyond. Uh, and we're really excited for your launch and where Panoptic goes from here. All right. Thanks very much thank for the invitation. I had a good time. Thanks. Oh, damn. Kit is thirsty after this interview. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> go ahead welcome to the post game everyone i'm your host t5 dave here with capital k and we are wrapping up the interview with guillaume blambert the founder of panoptic uh and kit this was your episode this is perfectly teed off for you oh. uh, how does uh, what are your thoughts on this episode and how does panoptic compare to the previous options and derivatives protocols we've had on I, I think, well, first, this is definitely my type of interview. And I felt like for the longest time on our docket, it was more of the, you know, softer type of guests, which are fine, yeah. right? You know, that's, that's, that's where, you know, decentralized finance, David gets to shine. But here <laughs> in these ones is when yours truly comes to light. And, and now in terms of Panoptic, I think it comes down to design. The way they have designed the product and, and the UI and UX specifically is what's going to really separate them apart. Because in my opinion, at the end of the day, it's two things, right? First is like, can I make the money? And is it profitable? That's always the baseline bar. And assuming that is yes, the next frontier to win people over is going to be the UI and UX. A thousand percent UI and UX. Uniswap crushed it in terms of UI and UX and everybody mm -hmm. copied it. It's a very clear exhibit A, for example. And I think panoptic is heading down that way especially with the way you've seen the the design came out i won't be surprised if all the other folks try to adopt more of a visual layout because this is complicated shit yeah like, this is complicated really yeah. complicated i thought so, they did an excellent job with the ui um very visual um very intuitive um it's going to be interesting like if you guys are right like pro tip DJ, when the pro tip was that the term he used? Pro pro tail, pro tail, pro tail, pro tail yeah. users, pro tail, pro tail users will adapt. Pro tail users, they're always evolving. Like they'll learn to LP, they'll learn to three three, they'll learn whatever <laughs> the hot thing is. Uh, yeah. You know, wherever they get that itch, they'll they'll learn. Like, but will this when it launches fully? Like, will this catch on? I think this is like a really interesting option for treasury management. Of protocols like the fact that if i'm a protocol i can just one side uh lp uh or one side provide liquidity with my token into a panoptic pool and i'm earning yield off of that that's uh quite attractive to me i don't have to do anything i let like the buyers and sellers duke it out well i just kind of like sit there you know yeah or and and you could actually this could be in in a way a different form of of uh, token emissions let me share with you what i'm thinking so now as a, a treasury, I can LP my own tokens, my native tokens, but I could also LP like ETH or USDC to be on the other side of the pair. And then I can structure it so that I am effectively delta neutral, meaning no matter how my governance token fluctuate in price, like I've locked in the US dollar value, 
But in doing so, I have to pay out interest, right? Like just what Guillaume was saying. But what if we paid out that interest in the form of governance tokens instead? So for LPs into this pool, because you are a regular LP, you are actually getting paid the trading fees plus token emissions, but you're doing so to help me offset my deltas. So the treasury wins doubly. So it's not just giving token out just for liquidity's sake, but giving token out so that you can lock in a price for your token. Can you repeat that? Can you make that simpler? Yes, let me try again. Now, an, a treasury could lock in their governance token price to avoid the fluctuation by using Panoptic. And for this privilege, they would pay all the LPs extra because they're effectively, you know, long and short at the same time. So they got to short. Mm -hmm. So by shorting, they're paying extra fees to the LPs and they can pay these extra fees in the token emissions. Emissions, token emissions. Okay. Right. So now instead of just saying like, Hey, if you LP into this pool, I'm going to give you some token emissions. It's like, Hey, if you LP and you keep your position in there longer and you help uh, me hedge my position, I will give you more token emissions on top of oh, the so it's another dimension to it's liquidity. Token mining. emissions. Oh, yes, okay. exactly. Okay, it's, okay. it's not just like paying you for the liquidity. I'm paying you to help me hedge myself out. So oh, it's, it's like, okay. So instead of double. just so instead of just supplying liquidity and that's it, and then it's just a bunch of mercenary yield. You're like, hey, don't not just uh, like help me, you know, supply liquidity here, but like help me s supply liquidity, but also hedge and like make sure like it like I your LPs at a certain position uh, in the market. Correct, correct. Okay. At a certain position and don't pull it. And don't, pull, know, don't, don't, don't pull it. Don't, don't pull out. Don't pull out. Damn it. Damn it, Dave. You stay in there. You stay yes, in there. Yes, yes. Sorry. I'm exactly. sorry. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Yes. But yeah, yeah, that's that's what I think would be super cool. And a government, a treasury, you know, a, a DAO should totally pay for that. That's a privilege to be able to mm -hmm. hedge yourself out because you're not selling your tokens. That's the big part. You're not, you're not selling your tokens, but you're still achieving this Delta neutral position, which is obviously the ideal world yeah i think uh guillaume is very well spoken and i love the builder path he took i love how he's mm. DeFi OG. you know he's been you know since uniswap b1 uniswap b2 yeah. he's been in it all you know he still remembers getting liquidated during that black thursday in 2020 uh and then he saw uniswap b3 comes out and then he was just like playing around with it playing around with it and then it was his moment to you know kind of shift gears uh and actually like go all in and full-time into panoptic and it seems like his intent is for it to become, a, like he said this on, on the interview, like for it to become a public good, governance minimized, um, and for it to eventually, you know, be running on its own by himself. And then like, I feel like it, it sounds like within like five years or however long it takes, you know, once his baby is like grown up, then he's probably going to go on and like move on to the next thing, but only when the baby is like, like grown up. Yes, I, I, I think so. I think that's probably the correct and most reasonable path. Mm -hmm. um, but I am oh, one thing I wish we did get to ask, though, is like some Frax related questions um, to feel like how can we integrate Frax or how can the DAO use this product or I guess it's a way to like the DAO to hedge. I mean, we, we mentioned that slightly, um, but it's it's tougher because it's not like Curve is involved in this at all or anything it's more so if like if i'm like a retail user that holds fracks like maybe i want to like go like 
you know, Texas, like, you know, Texas hedge and like go super, super long fracks in the most Asian way. Or I'm like a more, you know, chill, like want to hedge myself um, and he- want to hedge my FXS position or hedge FPIS or something like that or FPI or hedge FPI or something like that. That'll be interesting. Um, so yeah, but real, real interesting stuff here. Like this was like definitely your interview. And I was like, all right, this is, I'm going to like Kit do his thing. I honestly wasn't as confused in this interview as I was in during the infinity pools interview, <laughs> the interview pools interview. I was just quiet, like 90% oh, of the okay. time, but this one I could like, act well, I have like some experience with Uniswap V3. Um, yeah. so, but like, what's interesting about this, like infinity pools is like from the ground up, like they're, they're creating like a whole new AMM. Yeah. What Panoptic's doing, it uses Uniswap as a primitive. Correct. And I think that's way easier to do than like building something from the ground up. Yeah, attracting liquidity is difficult. So it's hard. Grass, you know, it's, 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 hard. it's the hardest, right? Growth is hard, especially in a bear. And I feel with, um, you know, our, our question regarding growth and how he, he's going to find them, like he answered it, I think, fairly well of like targeting the existing LPs and convincing them that, hey, your risk profile do not change. Your, I mean, it changes slightly on, on, on large tail moves, but on the large part, you're going to get paid more by LPing with us. So you should LP with us. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a strong case. Just it's hard to kind of reach these people, but I'm sure they're going to have a plan for yeah. that. Yeah. And the fact that they're already announced a V2 with V1 not out. And I like how they, yeah, they did that funny. and they're like preparing. Like they're like, okay, like we know that uni V4 is coming out. We might as well prepare for it. And that's that seemed like what they're building for V2 seems like miles ahead of everything else. But I still feel like there's like a purpose for V1. Like I feel like everything like like it's gonna take everything's gonna turn out as the way it should. And I'm really excited for how everything like will work out for them. But granted, I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a building block. I, I think building you have block. to build upon V1 to get to V2. To, and, yeah, and, and, and I'm sure they'll get so. some feedback and everything. And if you want to catch all the updates, not just for Panoptic, but all of Frax, all of DeFi and everything in between, make sure you hit that bell button. You subscribe, do that right now. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Hit that like button. Come on, support. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at FlywheelDeFi. Join the discussion on Telegram, at FlywheelDeFi. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. You can follow me at 0x capital underscore KE. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Everything said on this episode is not financial or tax advice. This channel is strictly for educational purposes and it's not in investment advice or solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. This video is not tax advice whatsoever. Please talk to your accountant and do your own research.